All right. Are you good, Will? I'm good. Okay. That's that was your fault, not This mine. is like our fourth time trying to start this this second, show. Second. Like eighth. No. Will just has not been able to get it right today. It's all right, Will. Mm-hmm. We got a long show ahead of us. I mean, we're you know we're, you got a lot of time to iron out your kinks. Oh, I got to leave in five minutes. By the way, hit the bricks now. <laughs> Do Tony G Nation the favor. I'm kidding. Come on, come on, stay stick around. I guess I'll stay. Okay, cool. What's up, Tony G Nation? Another episode of the Tony G Show set to get underway. Will season six is winding down. I know, dude. Faster than that. what we can handle here. Mm-hmm. Almost. This is episode number twenty of season six. We have. Five episodes after today. What do you think of that? It's kind of nuts. I mean, it's crazy. Wait for season seven. I I remember, yeah, and then season seven's dropping in uh, uh, September of 2021. Look out for that. I remember back when we first started season five. You know, when we were thinking about where are we going to do the studio. We were looking at different locations around campus because of the coronavirus and this and that. When are we going to start? And we finally got started. And that set up the bill for season six. Mm-hmm. We got underway early, first week of February. We were pounding out shows, and here we are talking about winding it down. Five episodes after this one. Crazy. We're going to stop at 25 episodes for season six. All right. <laughs> Great add on, Will. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't know you wanted me to add stuff. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, you know, it's okay. I was just letting you do your thing. It's your show. Yeah. Don't forget, season six. Ending in five episodes after today. First week of May is going to be the last show. Then, Summer Ball will be dropping in June. Summer Ball, subset podcast of the Tony G Show, hosted by yours truly, Tony G. It'll just be once a week, where I drop episodes on Summer Ball. It'll be on the same location you find the Tony G Shows, which, by the way, the Tony G Show is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Pretty much wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. You can look up, Google the Tony G Show, Tony G or or Will McCormick, whatever, and and you'll get to us that way. But also, a more immediate route to get to us, Twitter, at Willis5312 for Will, at Tony G Show for me. So that's all the advertising I have to do. Let's preview today's show. Pretty interesting show. I don't think we're going to, I mean, these are all pretty, I don't want to say heavy topics, but they're all topics that aren't. Something Will and I can use our creativity on. You know, if we talk about trade opportunities or destinations for certain players, we get to be a little creative. These are all rather strict and, and straightforward topics. To start off the show, we're going to be talking about the Aaron Donald assault charges because I wanted to run this story through the Tony G Show because I think it's huge. It is massive, and we'll talk about the implications that it'll have if, in fact, Aaron Donald is convicted of assault. Segment number two, we're going to be talking about more MLB rule changes in baseball. It's something we've talked a lot about as the season has been going on since the start of April. Remember the opening day episode called Opening Say? From there on, we've talked about baseball pretty frequently, and we're going to do it again today. There's a couple more rule change proposals that we'll go over. And then the third segment in the Tony G Show, there's a new rule in the NCAA. This is something that Will and I have covered a lot of in our time doing podcasts, being on SNC radio and that sort of stuff. We've talked about NCAA rules a lot, and there is a new transfer rule that was just voted on. It was not implemented yet, but it was just voted on or will be voted on further. We're going to talk about that to end the show. All right, Will, you ready to get into it? Big show planned. Oh, I'm ready. Okay. You ready, Will? I'm ready. 
Wait. I'm not feeling it from you, though. Oh, I, well. Are you ready, Will? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Tony G Show coming your way. McCormick, I mean, you are you're having a day so far. You better, you better cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> I, will. I will. If you remember when we started this episode, this was like our fourth, fifth take because Will McCormick couldn't get it right. Our second take. <laughs> He's exaggerating. And coming out of the intro song, Will McCormick tips over his microphone. <laughs> I mean, you're having a day, my friend. I am having a day. Okay. Well, I mean, you just had an Easter vacation. I know. I need another break. You work me too much, Tony. We're working ridiculous. Con- you signed the contract. Ridiculously early hours. <laughs> yeah, know. that's right. Tuesday's show was early. 60, 80 hours a week is too much, man. I know. 60, 80. Yeah. I'll give you 60, 80 hours, boy. I mean, you do already, so. Mm, you wish it was 60 to 80 hours. Uh, no, I don't. I, I wish it was, because then we'd be, be pounding out Tony G shows like they're going out of style. All oh, right, they're still in style? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Our own show. You gotta, you gotta make fun of yourself a little bit, right? Speak for yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Now, having some fun on the Tony G show. Let's get into it with segment number one. One of the NFL's best players has been accused of assault charges, and those charges have actually been filed against him. Here's the story. Before we get into what this means and the implications that this could have, a man named DeVincent Spriggs who released a picture of himself, swollen black eye, several lacerations on his face, and he claims that Donald was the reason for these injuries and intends to file criminal charges and has done so. The Rams released a statement on this whole uh, fiasco. It wasn't very long, wasn't very in-depth, and this is per Josina Anderson. The Rams said, and quote, We are aware of the reports regarding Aaron Donald. We are collecting more information and will have no further comment at this time, close quote. So obviously, let's get into it. This, uh, this is not a good thing for any player or any team or any civilian to have to go through something like this, especially though when it's an NFL player. In this case, with Aaron Donald, it makes it that much worse because of the stature that Aaron Donald has in the public eye and specifically a place like Los Angeles, a place like the NFL, where there's a lot of young, youthful people watching him at all times. And this is going to be a major, major blemish on the reputation of Aaron Donald if, of course, he is convicted and charged of this assault. This is going to be the first real blemish on someone like Aaron Donald. We've seen, you know, uh, tainted legacies because of something like this. Patrick Willis, who was a very, very amazing defensive star for the 49ers, Mm -hmm. couldn't keep his stuff straight off the field. Uh, You know, and we've, we've kind of seen this all throughout sports. Now, with Aaron Donald, a guy who has won repeated Defensive Player of the Year's awards because of the play he puts on the field, because of how big and strong and dominant that he is, he was primed for a Hall of Fame career, a legacy career, and a history that would be looked at for years and years. Someone like a Lawrence Taylor, 
You know, someone like a a Deion Sanders to go to the offensive side of the ball, a Jerry mm-hmm. Rice. Guys who were historic, who had legacies, and you know, there were some blemishes on on historic guys, but with this case and Aaron Donald, it's so different because the guys of the past didn't have to deal with social media, didn't have to deal with news spreading at the rate that it does in this decade with these athletes in this generation. It's not to say that what they what past stars have done is okay because no, I'm not okay no, but no. but it's yeah they have to acknowledge that social media and the way things are today with the news is going to bring these stories to light and going to carry a lot more weight than they did in the past. Well, especially with what they say because they can control that. You know, what you say is going to spread. Right. It's just a matter of if it's positive or negative. Right. Not everybody gets themselves in an assault type of situation. And obviously, we don't have too much in-depth information on if this man, DeVincent Spriggs, is claiming that, that Aaron Donald did this to him, and in fact, it never happened. We'll see, because, you know, he wasn't convicted just yet, Aaron Donald. This is all fresh and new. We don't know if DeVincent Spriggs was the one who even started it. Right. Maybe he was chirping on Aaron Donald or Mary. I, I don't know what brought this on. But the point is that this is going to taint Aaron Donald moving forward in a way that I don't want to see it happen because I think a lot of Aaron Donald and the play that he puts on the field for the Rams, and especially for the fact that Aaron Donald is the type of player, as I've mentioned before, that kids look up to. So it would it would play a major factor mm-hmm. if he was to be convicted of this. And for all the information that we have, which isn't very much in this situation, all signs are pointing to this is probably going to happen. He might get convicted. It's not a good situation for the Rams, for Aaron Donald, for football, for DeVincent Spriggs. This was a really unforeseen occurrence in this offseason and y- you hate to see it happen like this but something had to have happened for the Vincent Spriggs to look at that I don't know if you've seen the pictures well but they're very rough I mean they're very mm-hmm. graphic some of the things that happened to him in his face as I mentioned he had a swollen black eye several lacerations mm-hmm. whatever happened it took a lot to get this person going if in fact it was Aaron Donald yeah I did I did look up the pictures most of all because I was curious about who in the heck would get in a fight with Aaron Donald. It's Aaron Donald. Yeah. But he's a, he's a pretty, you know, like, strong-looking man. He looks Aaron like Donald? He, yeah. Well, no, I'm saying to Vincent Springs. Like, I was oh, like, sure. I was kind of, sure. yeah, I wasn't really sure, like, who would be, like, you know, mouthing off or whatever to Aaron, or whether... Whatever happened. Whatever yeah. happened, yeah, we have no idea. I don't want to say mouthing off, but, like, whoever got in an altercation with Aaron Donald and was putting themselves in that position, I figured they were pretty, pretty strong. Yeah. So... <laughs> but here's the thing, Aaron Donald, to me, seems like he's a pretty laid-back relaxed person uh, i don't know you don't think so no why no, is it not from his on-field play okay but on-field is different from who he is off the field oh man i don't know i you feel see like what i mean like like players listen to the right music and they get themselves hyped up and then they go out and play yeah but then off the field they're like different cats and that you know that happens in know. many cases i know many people that like their true character shows when they're on the field sure like they're like like a Terrell Owens or someone like that yeah where it's like in the, yeah or a richard sermon that type of thing well, yeah or even people through my own experiences, my own athletic experiences, just people that I've been friends with forever and you play against them. And yeah. it's like, who are you? You know, like that, yep. is this really the kind of attitude you have towards each, like, you know, cause sure. to, me, to me, like it's a, one thing to be competitive and to like, not let somebody kind of like to not take advantage of you, but like to outplay you. Cause the point is to outplay them. 
but when it when it comes to being dirty and and just chippy for no reason, that shows true character. And I do see some moments like that in Aaron Donald. But granted, a lot of players have those moments too. What does it take? There has to be something. There's there has to be some underlying factor mm-hmm. that caused Aaron Donald, if he did it, of course, because he wasn't convicted yet. There has to be something to cause him to do this or react in this type of way. Well, I'm sure there was alcohol involved. I don't know the story, but there has I, I to be. There alcohol could be. I, I would. I. I, it wouldn't surprise me. No. But even then, do you think... I mean, I th- this guy is a professional football player. One right. of the best that there is. And to yeah. react in this way... And here's another thing. Let's talk about the implications. And this is something that you were getting at. So we'll talk about it here. Mm-hmm. Is, you know, there is a tendency that players get away with certain things, certain occurrences. Mm-hmm. And I think a good example of this was just before... I believe it was last season or before the season before, so either 2019 or 2020, when there was that case, there was the footage of Packers defensive players, Darius Smith, I think it was Kingsley Kiki, mm-hmm. and or Montrevious Adams were busted. Mm-hmm. There were some weed charges, yep. and nothing really ever came of it. No. And if there was regular people involved there, I feel like it would have gone differently. There would have been some major oh, yeah. arrests. There would have been some major fines, would have been some impoundings of vehicles and mm-hmm. they just kind of got off i don't want to say scott free because i'm sure they paid a fine or something like that i don't really know what came of it for them personally yeah. but you know you can kind of see the difference you're talking about between yeah. nfl talent and regular citizen I, I am curious at to what point the nfl is going to crack down on the attitude and not the attitude but just the way some other players I don't act think they are Huh? I don't think they are. I no. don't think it's something they're going to do. No, they will never because they've had opportunities. Well, they're too, too worried about making money. Sure. Otherwise, Tyreek Hill wouldn't be still playing. They're too concerned about. Well, we need him. But then, to how make about crazy plays? So what about money? What about this argument though that these guys pay their dues and don't act up again? I mean, it doesn't really work that well. <laughs> Has it though? I mean, Kareem Hunt hasn't acted up in a in a negative way since he had that whole occurrence. He was released from his team that he was primed. Mm-hmm to be a star with, could have won a Super Bowl with, released from that team, missed out on that opportunity, has paid his dues. I believe he went to uh, classes or this or that, mm-hmm. had meetings to to help fix this problem. Yeah, I'm not and saying... And now he's on a team, now he's playing again, and nothing, you know, he's not acting up again in that way. Right, and not. And I'm not saying that I don't want these guys to correct their actions because I think that's the best course of action to take. Right, football involved or not. Right. Anybody. But I'm saying that a lot of the times the NFL does nothing. Yeah, I've made the counter argument against you, and now I'm going to try to pair up with you in my thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw this name out there. Yeah. You tell me if this is any different. Antonio Brown. Yeah. The NFL is bolstering these guys. Not bolstering. Is that the right word? They'll give them like a two-game suspension. Like they're feeding Whoa. it to them. Yeah. yeah. And then how does that, to bring it back to your argument, like... The kid, kids look at this and they're like, oh, well, that stuff's okay then. Right. I think that, I mean, there's definitely the trickle-down effect in sports from professionals to college to youth. Mm-hmm. Talk about it in baseball, the Tim Anderson, the bat flip thing. And all of a sudden this is spreading through the baseball world. Now kids are trying it and doing this. And now all of a sudden that trickle-down effect has gone from professionals through college, through youth, and, and so on. Is professional sports the main cause for the trickle down effect of of the attitude of of these sports players because no. they're I, I I feel like it is because they're the ones who are being like we're giving them like a little like every time a little slap on the wrist 
every time. You also have to think about where these people are coming from. So when, when, when this happens in a college or youth atmosphere, you have to think about their at-home life as well. Because they're, they're still kids at that, at that stage. They're not professionals. They're looking at these star players and it's like, well, if they got their acting like that, then I can start acting like that now. Right. And, I, and, and, and I'm not, you know, discounting people's experiences. This is a super broad discussion. But I feel like the NFL is partially, like, they need to start getting their stuff together here because this is only going to trickle down to the youth. Right. So let's wrangle this back in here and, and find a direction for this argument. What immediate specific impacts, implications is this going to have on Aaron Donald and the Rams? If he's convicted of this, I don't think there's going to be a release. I don't think there's going to be a fine to pay. There may be a suspension because you can't, you know, the NFL certainly does frown upon acting this way. But I think I think for the time being, there's not going to be much on-field play that's going to, you know, be siphoned away because of this issue, because of this occurrence. So I don't think, you know, Will, and you can give your thoughts too. Mm-hmm. The immediate specific consequences that Aaron Donald will have to face, I don't think they're very... I don't think they're going to be very heavy. Mm-hmm. There's not going to be a suspension. He's still going to be a Ram. Yeah. Tony, if Aaron Donald doesn't play for the Rams, am I still going to win the bet? <laughs> <laughs> if I uh, if if he's suspended for those two games, what what did we bet? I bet I just I know it was that... the Rams sweeping the 49ers. Right, right. In the season series. So I I bet you if he's out for those two games, Rams still beat him, beat the Niners by 20. I think you couldn't be more wrong. You couldn't be more out there. What was the wager we put on it? I don't even Ten remember. Ten bucks. Ten bucks? Yeah. Do you want to pay me that now? I mean, you have my gun. No, I mean, you already paid. You, you did pay me already. I did not pay you. You did. No. It shows how much faith he has. You, well, you're fired. Well, at least I got ten bucks, so. All <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Not paying you back. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up that discussion there. I think it was a good conversation to have. You can't really draw too much speculation on it until basically until we have more information. Yeah, basically until it's solved. Until it's all said and done, yeah. put into the book. So, uh, yeah, I think we did a good job, job talking about that. If something are, is to come up again, I think we'll definitely discuss it, uh, spe- particularly with this case. So, uh, d- put that on the back burner for now in terms of Tony G Show. But uh, let's move on in today's episode. There's a lot of rules going to come up in this last in the last two segments. We'll start here with Major League Baseball, their trial rule for the independent league, and their new rule proposals. Well, mm-hmm. they're as dumb as the old rules. <laughs> I think they're as dumb, unnecessary, and as stupid as the old rules. Now, that's a bit of an overstatement, of course, because you know I, I do have a little bit of a growing resentment for Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, and you know what they're trying to do, take the naturality out of the game. So... I, I don't think they're all that bad. I kind of overstated it, overshot that a little bit. So let me go here with this. Uh, let me start by saying this. The newest rules, this first rule of two, I'm going to mention two rules. The first rule is called the double hook rule. And I'm not so for, I'm not so for, I'm not so all against this rule as much as the other one. I can see this one. I wouldn't hate this one. And what this double ru- hook rule means that once a team replaces their starting pitcher, they will lose the designated hitter. So now what that means is they're going to have to pinch hit or have a relief pitcher hit every time they get to that spot in the order. 
The goal with this one is to cause teams to leave their starting pitcher in longer because now they're being taken out after four innings, five innings, and not going that six, seven, mm-hmm. or eight that they typically would in seasons past. I kind of like that one. I can get behind this one. Like, that adds a lot more strategy to the game. Yes. So that kind of it satisfies both sides here. Mm-hmm. I'm all for the DH. I have many friends and, and baseball fans who are against the DH, like the strategy in it, and this kind of satisfies both. Now my starting pitcher doesn't have to get hurt because he's going to hit three times a game, two times right. a game. And now it brings in that strategy after he gets taken out. Also, this incentivizes teams for leaving their starting pitcher on the mound a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. I can get behind this rule. I wouldn't yeah. hate it. And right now, of course, this is in the independent league, just kind of giving it a trial, a little bit of a test run. So I, I can get behind this one. The second rule, however, Will, you know, this one I think is dumb, taking the naturality out of the game. There are There is a proposal being implemented right now in the independent league to move the mound back from 60.6 feet to 61.6 feet. And this is via Brian McWilliam of The Score, this information I'm about to give you. And this has to do with reaction time. The goal is that on a reaction time of a league average 93.9 mile per hour fastball, would be equivalent to a 91.6 mile an hour fastball from 60.16 feet. So they're trying to equal out the the reaction time of a fastball to get more swings and misses so that the hitter is not so overpowered in an at-bat. And plus this would mess with the break of a, a curveball or a slider. Uh, change up as well. I don't. I don't think I'd get behind this one so much. Also because now we're talking about messing with records. Mm-hmm. This player hit this many home runs because right. the mound was moved back compared to, you know, a Mark Require or whatever. Yeah, like how much how much would this help the hitter? Like cuz it could be a drastic help. It could be. It could be like going from, you know, just hitting ridiculous numbers in one season and then it's like, well, that's kind of unfair because he had that advantage of a uh, uh, slower reaction to seeing the pitch. That's that's an interesting take. Right. So when when you discuss now sliders and curveballs, the break is going to be a little harder to control for pitchers. Because mm-hmm. now putting one in the dirt is going to be a foot in front of home plate compared yeah. to where they would usually throw it. That's Yeah, that's a big difference too. Mm. One foot is a big difference. Yeah, 12, 12 inches. Yeah, that's... I don't get behind that one. And also the reaction time, I think somewhere in the article I read mentioned the reaction time for a pitcher, you know, with their safety and a, and a comebacker. I could see that, and mm-hmm. I'm, all, I'm all for it. It seems like that's just a tough problem that the solution is really hard to find. Right. You know, they've tried different baseball caps and this and that. I don't think there really is much of a solution for that problem. And Other things, I think it's just the truth of it. Yeah, and, and it makes you also like... You could take it and look at, like, so are throwouts at second going to be more common? That's a shorter distance. If you're moving it back a foot, that means you're getting a foot closer to second. On, like, pickoff plays at second base and stuff. Yeah. And the pickoffs at first and third would even be different. Right. Hmm. You know what? Like, so there's going to be a big trickle-down effect. It it won't affect just hitting, but, I mean, defense could take... I I, I would feel like pickoffs at second, at least second, would be a lot more common. 
I think there is going to be that trickle down effect, like you mentioned. We've mentioned that a lot, a lot yeah. in this episode, the trickle down effect. But I think it's really prominent in this problem too. I just don't think you know. Here comes this this aspect that I've been talking about with Major League Baseball that it's taken the naturality out of the game. Mm-hmm. Now all of a sudden it's an inauthentic brand, and like it's cool to try and do it in the independent league, and that's what they're doing right now. But obviously the goal or the intent is to see the immediate effects on the game to see if they can implement it at the major league level. I don't I don't buy into this rule. I don't buy into the runner on second because it just comes out of nowhere. It's not natural. It's not fluent. It's yeah. not authentic. I would like to see how how this affects if this does go into into effect or I would like to see how this changes the game. That would be interesting to see that part, that yeah. aspect of it. But to be on the like this isn't natural side of baseball, it would be it would be totally unnatural. It wouldn't be the real game then. Now, what about this other rule? About the double hook rule? The DH. Pulling the DH out of the lineup once you once you take the starting pitcher out of the game. We talked about it a little bit, but I, I can I, I'd rather really elaborate on this one because of Yeah, well. <laughs> you raised your. Yeah, I'm sorry, you startled me. You raised your hand like a stool, like a school kid. No, it's okay. I just yeah. Go ahead, go ahead. I wanted to ask: Does this add too much strategy to an already strategy-heavy game? Mm. You get what I'm saying? Where it's like there's too much thought that goes into I, it. I don't think it's too much. I think it it'd be a good amount. It'd be an appropriate amount because now you take out that designated hitter, and I mean it's what the game is already now because in the mm-hmm. National League you can't use the DH. At home park, so I don't think it adds strategy. I think it takes a little bit away for the first part of the game, but then after you remove that starting pitcher, then... So, would it be the case that they remove their starting pitcher in, the like, say, the top of the eighth, then they lose that designated hitter for the rest of the, the game? Yes. See, I would be more in favor of, like, maybe that rule up until, like, the seventh inning. Because I feel like... I would almost go opposite with it. I would implement it after the fourth inning. After the fourth? Because now if your pitcher only goes two innings because he's had a rough day, now you don't lose your DH trying to oh, I see what you climb mean. back in the like, game. Like you can you can change pitchers up until the fourth. Yep. And then, then after, after that... After the fourth inning, now you when stick. you change a pitcher, that's when you pull a DH with them. I could see that. I could see that. Because then it leaves that strategy part for the back end of the game, which is where it really gets interesting. I would be in favor for this rule if it has the stipulation of there's a time where that, where the rule, that it's not the case, because I feel like at that point it would be taking away from the offensive side of of baseball. Yeah. Because to assume that teams, this would basically imply that teams are basically not going to switch pitchers the entire game, which I don't want to say is like, that's like the total opposite direction that pitching is going right now yeah well that's the point but but i think there needs to be a middle ground it doesn't need to be one polar side or the other polar side i think a middle ground would be a lot more uh, realistic a quality start in major league baseball is four and two-thirds innings after that after you get two outs in the fifth inning you are the pitcher of record that is a quality start or i think it's that's when you can get a win so go with that then well that's what it is right now i'm saying like for this like this double hook rule that we're making up the stipulations for. Oh, okay. You know, like that would make sense to me. But after that, that's when yeah. if you pull a pitcher, that's when the DH goes with it. I agree. I think there it's a good rule, mm-hmm. but I think the conclusion that you and I are reaching in this discussion is that it 
definitely needs to be altered a little bit. Needs a little bit of polish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I, I think the intention's in the right spot. I can get behind leaving starting pitchers in for a game. Mm-hmm. How about the Blake Snell in the World Series, in the World Series where Kevin Cash pulled him and he's through six scoreless, but he hasn't gone into the seventh inning all season, so he pulls him, and then all of a sudden the Rays lose the game to the to the Dodgers. And I think there's too much of an emphasis trying to be too fine with your starting pitching. There's Craig Council does that a lot with the Brewers, and that mm-hmm. gets on my nerves, is taking a pitcher out when he's dealing before they get to the third spot, or not third spot, until the opposing team gets through the third time through the order, and then, then he's pulling starting pitch. Let him go. If they're doing good, if they're pitching well, keep them in. Mm-hmm. Don't be so quick to go to your bullpen because I know – I know that the goal for opposing teams is to go to the bullpen. So when you bring in someone from the bullpen, you just met their goal. You just gave them their momentum. You just brought in a new starting pitcher who they can tee off of because there's, or, or brought in a relief pitcher who they can tee off of because their starting pitcher is gone now that they were having trouble with. And obviously, if they're not having the best day, yeah, you can play around with your bullpen a little bit. But I'm saying when a guy is like six scoreless innings and he's at like 85 pitches and you don't let him out for the seventh. What are we doing? When I first started being a fan of Major League Baseball, guys would throw 110-115 into the 7th before they get pulled. Go out there. You're shutting them down? Shut them down. I can get behind that. I don't mm-hmm. get behind it in high school. I don't get behind it in college even. But at the Major League level, guys are done developing physically. Their arms are only getting stronger in terms of uh, of how much they work out and They've gotten themselves to the best peak performance in their life. Let them go. Yeah, and and the the direction that baseball is going right now, too, with pitching. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we see, like, teams with a pitcher for every two innings. What do you mean? It's just like it's getting to this point where there's so many. Yeah, yeah, there's just so many pitchers that are being rotated. It's like at some point, at least the trajectory is, they're going to be rotating pitchers every two, three innings. To to that point, Will... The Rays tried that, actually. Well, I don't want to say tried because it mm-hmm. makes it sound like it wasn't successful, but they've kind of gone away from it and still are toying with it using an opener instead of a starter. A relief pitcher start the first inning, maybe go into the second, and then they throw in a starter for the two through seven innings. So It's, interesting. it's an interesting strategy, yeah. but I don't get behind it so much. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it would take, it would take a, like a, a fleet of really good pitchers to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it would, and but. the Rays think they have that, I suppose. So if you have it, use it. <laughs> yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. And, you know, just to kind of cap it off, I think that, you know, I, I get very pessimistic talking about baseball in the direction it's heading because I don't like, in many ways, some of the changes that are being implemented. Because, I, like I said, it takes away that authenticity of the game. It takes away the naturality. Do I think there's change that needs to happen? Sure. There could be improvements. There, there could be an improvements in everything. Nothing's perfect. There could be improvements in football and basketball, baseball as well, certainly. But the changes are just too many. Mm-hmm. Just knock it off. Let the game be. Let the game come to, to the players, to the fans, and see where it takes you. You can make your, your changes here, a designated hitter. You can make a pitch clock. Pitchers have to you know, get the ball in a certain amount of time before they're back on the rubber ready to throw a pitch. Okay, try to speed it up that way. Extra innings, no. Moving the mound back, no. You know, certain things like this, and now there's discussions about robotic strike zones, which is something that's in the distant future. It's 
instead of like real people behind the plate. Really? Yeah. Like a computer calling the game. Someone's up, someone's up in the press box. I think the independent league tried this one too. Because you know how when you watch a baseball game, they have the strike zone. Mm-hmm. So when a pitch is thrown, and obviously their, their computer is a little more in-depth and made yeah. for this type of stuff. Someone's up in the press box. When a pitch comes, if it's in the strike zone, they announce it's a strike. From that, the press box, there's no umpire. The umpire behind the home behind home plate is there in case there's a play at the plate, or in case there's like a drop third mm-hmm. strike he can rule or a foul tip or whatever. He doesn't call balls and strikes. I could get behind that. A lot of people could too. Our friend Jason Fonder, who we have to get on the show pretty soon here, could get behind that as well. Like, why wouldn't they take advantage of that? That's going to make the game more real because it, it oftentimes there's calls that are like Angel Hernandez. <laughs> they're just obviously that. wrong, and it's it kind of ruins the game. Yep. At a big moment or something like that. And, right. You know, I can get behind it. It's like the NFL not utilizing replay to, to determine pass interference. Like, why not? Yeah. You have the technology. Use it. Yeah. It's only going to make the game a more even playing field. I, I can't... I'm trying to think in my head of making an argument against it just for the sake of having this discussion, this argument, but... I, I can't really do it. Exactly. It's They'll a good it. it's a good process. You know, but then again there's it's technology and technology it never really works perfectly. Let's say I got the umpire there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like then just revert back to this old time of Yeah. Hee-haw. Like if yeah. <laughs> like if it doesn't work, then you still get an umpire there to, to yep. make that judgment call. Pretty soon we'll have robots hit just pitching and hitting then. I think I'm all for it. <laughs> I think I'm willing to say it on episode number twenty of season six of the Tony G show. I'm all for robot umpires. Put me down. Put me down, Will. I'll put you down. You ain't doing nothing. All right, that's a good discussion. Man, we're on a roll today, Will. We are. Let's move on to our final segment, segment number three. The NCAA will allow transfers to play college football and basketball without sitting out a season. This is only per reports from ESPN. Still some voting to go on and implementation, of course, as this spring season in the NCAA comes to a close and we move forward to summer and and ultimately fall seasons. Good or bad? Not allowing transfers to sit. This is what this is. I mean, because usually when someone transfers, they have to sit out a season. They do it. And I remember someone at my high school did that, transferred to a competitive school, and there was discussions on if he'd play right away or this or that. And I forget what ultimately happened. But this is something that, again, here's that trickle-down effect of Mm -hmm. happens in college, now it's in high school. And... um. You know, that's just an effect that I don't think we'll dive too much into for this discussion. But good thing or bad thing? I say good thing. I'm, I'm a, I am like it. I'm really happy with it. You're only in college for a certain amount of years. You want to play at the right spot for the right people in the right location. If you get it wrong the first time, go ahead, try a second time at a second school. And I didn't I didn't like how the NCAA would loosen up these rules Yeah. when it was certain players. Yep. Like, that's not And I think this is fair. still kind of doing that because now this is college, big-time college football and basketball players. And that's it, though. the The article I read wasn't too in depth, okay. On because you know there's still it's still in the mock up stages. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, not yeah, not even close to being passed. Mm-hmm. There's still voting to go on. I think voting did go on for this rule, and voting still has to has to take place in terms of this recording at the time of this recording. I should say of the Tony G show. So I think it's ultimately an all right thing as long as they do it equally. Because mm-hmm. I'll never forget. I lied, I did forget, because I forget who it was, I forget what team he played for, <laughs> but he was an offensive lineman who wanted to transfer to a lower school. Oh. He was a D1 offensive lineman and transferred to a lower school. I say I never forget, but I did forget. 
and the NCAA wouldn't allow him to play because of that transfer. He wanted an overrule because he did it because there was an illness in his family. I want to say it was oh. his mother. Who was that? Will, if I could remember, I'd say his name. Well, but ultimately, he wasn't allowed to play. And that got on my my nerves so much because it's like, what is the, who wins with that? Does the NCAA seriously benefit from him not playing that season? Making him sit out because he transferred for the sake of the health of his family? you got to be kidding me if that's the type of stuff we're doing in the, in the NCAA. And that's ultimately why I think this is a good thing to the next level. Because this shows me that the NCAA is starting to loosen its grip on students and student athletes. Is it Brock Hoffman? And it's about time. I don't know, was it? That's what it, this article here is. He's from Virginia Tech. No? I, I, I couldn't tell you. Oh, I thought it would like be like, oh, that's him. Oh, yeah. I don't but, know. But if it is, I'm cool. But if yeah. not, the rule still stands. The principle is still here for this argument. That Right. What's the point? Who wins with that? I think the more equal the system could be for its players, the more the players will get behind it, if that makes sense. Like, if I were a D2 athlete, football athlete, um, or college basketball, whatever, it would be incredibly frustrating if you're trying to transfer to a Division One athletics program or to another program that's going to better your Just chances of being professional. Program in general. Yeah, but you're not able to because you don't have that notoriety. You don't have that namesake. That's like, just terrible. It, it's insane. That's just terrible. That'd be like, it's kind of like the NFL, or it, it, like in, in NFL players getting off with all these, with all these, uh, like all these charges. It's like, well, you're you have a no, you have a notable name, so we'll kind of go easy on you. The, the NCAA, the in a sense, is doing the same thing with its transfer rule. And it's not and like, fair to all athletes. And like I said, the fact that they're improving this and adjusting to this rule shows me, like I said before, that they're loosening their grip on student-athletes. They're loosening their grip because they've made changes to uh, college athletes profiting off of themselves, their likeness. They've made changes to this particular instance of transferring. And... They're really making college athletes a college athletics, I should say, a platform for potential college, college athletes to live life how they would like. If they want to play, you know, at this school or that school, giving them the opportunity to do so. It's really setting players up for success. I think too, the NCAA is kind of realizing that people are noticing how unfair their system has been for a long time, and they're like, "Well, if it continues like this, we can just find a different way." On our 100th episode of the Tony G Show, we had Brian Brees on. And Brian Brees, the president of St. Norbert College himself, said that the NCAA is a bureaucracy. Mm-hmm. And it exactly. is. They're in for their own profit. And I'll admit that I did have to look that word up after that interview because I didn't know exactly what he was trying to say. But he's saying that they're in for their own profit. Mm-hmm. They're a business and they're nothing more. They're not here to help athletes. They're not here to supply them with, with the success they need or the money they need or the funds they need. And they do. But it's rather a show than it is ultimately helping college athletes get the best out of their student-athlete experience. And to go all economics on you, I mean... Go for it. To a sense, they have a monopoly. They have a monopoly on... There is no other... Right. FBS, is that still NCAA? I don't know. I I mean, I don't know how it all works because it's like like Apple has Google. They're competitors. 
A- Apple and Android products. They're like I, maybe the NCAA okay. and who? So like maybe not maybe not a total monopoly, but they're definitely like almost like a conglomerate of like this gigantic industry that's like, well, if you need to get to the next level, you almost have to go through us. Mm-hmm. You almost have to. And you can't like you can't go from high school to professional. You have to go through the college program. I think the FBS is still NCAA, but but the point that's is a football thing. Yeah, but like, like I get what you're saying. The point is, and I don't know why that is. There's no other organization with the NCAA. So basically, the, staying in stride with them. No. Yeah, the NCAA is looking is basically saying, look, our system and people are realizing how unfair this is. We want to keep this advantage. We want Absolutely. to keep this monopoly in a sense. And we're going to loosen up our rules a little bit just to make people that much happier and we can keep making money. And that's exactly what it is. So we'll leave the argument there. I think it's good that the NCAA is starting to adjust and change and especially the leeway they've given students with COVID-19 in a fifth year or you know whatever they need to again get the most out of their college athletics experience is great. It's about time and I'm glad they're making this change. So a couple of good discussions. Sorry that it wasn't no creative, funny show. But it's stuff that These has to be talked about. are all three heavy topics that they have to be talked about in a public scope. And even on a, a lesser level like the Tony G Show, I mm-hmm. did want to talk about it and discuss it. And I'm glad we were able to do so. Let us know what you think, Tony G Nation, at Willis5312 on Twitter, at Tony G Show on Twitter. Good rules, not good rules. Are you for the double hook rule in MLB? Are you? What do you are think you, is going to happen to Aaron Donald? I mean, this is a big show. Do you but, like our changes to the double hook rule? Yeah. Do you like Will McCormick staying on the show or should he go? Yeah. All sorts of changes that you can vote on. Let us know at Willis5312 on Tony G Show on Twitter. That'll do it. Will, we are, we are through 20 episodes. Only five left, dude. In season six. Five episodes remain of the Tony G Show's sixth season. And then we're off until September. Three weeks. Three weeks. Two shows next week, two shows the week after, and one the week after that, the first week of May. Then we're off till September. That's of crazy. course, with the um, Summer Ball subset podcast in between, but... Then which, the Tony G Show takes a break. Which I just okayed Summer Balls. <laughs> <laughs> I just okayed it because I have the final say. Yeah. In the uh, the cover art. Yeah. Got so. great cover art. Going to have different music. As we are, season seven of the Tony G Show is going to have different cover art, different music. Mm-hmm. I mean, why not? Why why stay the same? Go I with the flow. Spice it up a little bit. Yeah. That's what we do at the Tony G Show. Spice it up. 20 episodes in the book, Will. I'll see you next time. Sounds good. All right. For Will McCormick, I'm Tony G. This is a Tony G show. We'll see you next time right here on this beautiful Sports Talk podcast.